Hey everyone, we are here with you with a bonus episode. So we released an episode on Monday, but this is a, a kind of an extra thing just to, just to kind of spend time mentioning all of the listener write-ins that we get. Yeah, we always look forward to uh, feedback from our listeners and we just, they've been sort of stocking up. So we thought we'd do an episode where we just just answered listener uh, write-ins, requests, emails. And so if this is something you kind of want to hear more of, let us know because, I mean, we enjoy talking to you at any time that we can. So, and it's, I've, we, Trevor and I kind of find us more personal to kind of just, just talk about our answers as opposed to send an email back about it just because we get to kind of explain it more and, and really talk it through. And one of the things that the listener will get from this is if a listener's wrote in with a comment or a question or an iTunes review, and it, you might find it resonates with you. So there, you know, you, you'll find maybe you're getting the same thing on this podcast somebody else does. And, and I don't know if you, you might take comfort in that. So we, I, we, I want to start off by just, just saying thank you to everyone who has taken the time to, to write anything to us, whether it's bad or good or, or, just, or just topic suggestions or anything, because we appreciate all the feedback. And, and just having you write into us means that you're there and, and as passionate about this podcast as we are. And, and we also, we, we have, to, you know, a, a lot of topic ideas we want to get into the podcast, but I like the, the idea to think this podcast is dynamic in that, you know, listener feedback is going to drive the content we produce. So by getting the feedback from the listeners, it kind of channels us in a, in a certain direction. So that's another benefit of, of getting feedback from listeners. Okay, so we're going to jump in. So we're going to kind of answer comments and touch on questions from all of our multiple platforms. So we're going to start off by touching on our iTunes reviews. And first of all, we really appreciate any ratings and, and write-ins here just because it, it, there's a lot of quality comments in here. And I'd like to say we, we appreciate the one-star reviews as much as the five-star. The one-star reviews, they kind of tell us, you know, what you don't like about the cottage podcast or what, what you'd like us to stop doing. And the five stars, of course, it, it kind of describes what you do like and what we should continue to do. So we appreciate both one star and five star reviews. So, um, any of the comments or questions that we answer go over today, we might have touched on in a previous um, episode, just kind of at the end or the beginning. But Trevor and I wanted to kind of spend maybe a little bit more time dedicating ourselves to to maybe fully um, talking about the comment or and fully answering it as well. So, the first one comes from B. Fosty, and the title of it is "A Welcome Change from All the Other FI Podcasts." FI being financial independence. So Bifosti has a really kind comment here. Um, it is, there are many financial and FI podcasts out there. However, what sets us apart is the format. Instead of interviewing the same guests as all the other FI podcasts out there, this one primarily takes articles and dissects them into how they relate to their personal experience. If you're new to, if you're new to this podcast, start with more recent episodes as the content and production quality has been improving. Love the Canadian perspective. Keep up the great work. Yeah, so th thank you for this this comment. It was it's really inspirational. We we did change our format. Uh, I I can't remember, Courtney. Was it episode fifty? I think we changed. Yeah, things. that sounds about right. And then we it, we've recently brought a third voice into the podcast, Mike. So, and we we have some you know, changes coming in the future too. So it's something that's constantly evolving. But I, I, I like that he sees us as an FI podcast, a financial independence podcast, because our, our tagline is find, pursuing financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. And you can get to financial independence through a lot of ways. You can, you know, do it through uh, getting passive income and investing. 
but we, we've chosen to focus on, on lifestyle choices. And I, I'm just, I'm glad that he sees us as an FI podcast because that, that is my hopes. And I really, really like kind of the the comment about how our production quality has increased and our content has changed and evolved because that's definitely something we kind of strive on is is taking something and kind of and working with it and then keeping keep moving forward to to create the best possible quality and content we can. Like when we started this podcast, we we kind of we didn't really know where it was going to go. But there's, there's an expression that, that you can't improve what you don't start. So we, we thought rather than wait till this thing's completely uh, buttoned down to exactly that the podcast we wanted to be, we just started it and let it evolve. The other comment he made was he loves the Canadian perspective. And I, I know a lot of things we talk about are universal, but I love there seems to be a huge void in the podcast space of personal finance for Canadian personal finance perspective. And I, I have nothing against um, American perspective, but whenever I listen to a, an American personal finance podcast, there's a lot of focus on healthcare costs. And I get that that's an issue for them. And, and it it's something they need to focus on. But here in Canada, we have public healthcare. It's not, it's a concern. I mean, our healthcare system is not perfect, but it's not, from a financial standpoint, it's not the main focus of, of being financially independent or retiring. So the next comment is from Justine in Ottawa. And I'm sorry if we read this comment already. We're, we're just going to kind of touch on it again. But um, it's entitled Great Personal Finance Discussions. And she says, I really enjoy listening to this podcast. I tune in every week. It offers thoughtful discussions and a new way to look at everyday personal finance decisions with an eye to the future. I especially like the episodes on the 15-year mortgage and used car market. These are topics that are especially relevant to millennials as we make the deci- these decisions for the first time. Another big financial decision, which you have touched on in a few episodes, are weddings. And a possible episode idea? I'd be very interested to hear how you both feel about the cost, large or small, of this kind of life event. Looking forward to more of these episodes. Keep up the great work. Justine, Ottawa. So thank you, Justine. Uh, I, I really enjoyed doing the 15-year mortgage one so much that we did a part one and a part two. And I, I could have went on and on about that into a part three, a part four. But I, I think we went kind of deep enough on that one. Uh, a lot of people have wrote in and really liked those episodes. And just the idea of a 15-year mortgage and how, how foreign that might be to some people. But I think it should be the norm. And the used cars ones. So I actually want to do another one on used cars because I'm in the market for a new used car. So it's going to be very relevant to me as well. So I think that's that's one where I think you could almost do, you know how we did the budgeting one? We almost we do one every year because it's so important to personal finance. Well, I, I think you could almost do a used car one every year. And the only reason I would do it every year is because one, it's going to inspire people to buy used cars. So if we did it once a year, we get new listeners or, or listeners who've been listening and they just need to be re-inspired that a used car is the way to go. And I always say the two things that'll sink you financially are houses and cars. So if we can keep people inspired in, in a used car front and center in their mind, I, I think it's worth doing one of those every year. And, and just, I, I just, just want to stop you there for a sec. I, I, I love how you use the word re-inspire because I think that is so important. I think maybe even why, that this is why I show up every week is because I I feel this podcast it definitely works to re-inspire me and, and hopefully why a lot of our listeners tune in is to feel re-inspired because 
especially with personal finance, when you're making tough decisions and you're deciding, maybe it's not tough for you, but it societally it can be tough to to make these tough personal finance decisions to buy a used car to to really squeeze in that for 15 year mortgage when other people may not be. I think it's it's important to help re-inspire each other. So, I mean, in building this community. Well, not, not only is it important to re-inspire people to, that, that buying a used car is a, is a good idea, is the, some people, they're going to work every day and parking beside brand new cars and trucks, and that's becoming the new normal, and it's slowly creeping in that, that this is normal. And so if we can step in and say, wait a minute, that's that's not good. You know, you should not be okay with that. Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean they have the same goals and aspirations you do. So to, they, I think people need to be re-inspired because new cars are, you know, if you're being exposed to them every day, it, it's just going to reorient your thinking. Oh, exactly. And I, I really hope that's what we we are able to bring to this space every single week. And she mentioned the one on, on weddings. And I think that would be a great topic. I really want to do an episode on that. Because I'm actually, I went to a couple of weddings last year and I'm going to a couple more this year for, for some nieces and nephews. And the one thing I'll, I'll say about weddings, and, and this will never change, this is timeless advice, never borrow money for a wedding. And that is that that is a rule I, I, I would never waver on. Never borrow money for a wedding. And when you're planning a wedding, I think you need to decide up front, is this a, a, a day for you, your special day for you, or is this a, a special day you want to share with a bunch of people? Neither of those are wrong decisions, but just just know when you're going in what what's important to you. And, it, and it's going to be different for different people. But if the day is just for you, then then spend accordingly. And if the day is, is something you want to share with a bunch of people, the spending will reflect that too. Neither of them are wrong decisions, but at the end of the day, never borrow money for a wedding. And you say that because... Well, you should, you should really only borrow money for for things that are going to go up in value. And I say a wedding is basically it, it's a it's a party. It's an it's it's entertainment. It is it, it's it's a celebration. And I I can't think of a good reason to borrow money for a celebration. It, it just it doesn't make sense. And I really like how Justine kind of touched on the millennial perspective. And I think that's something we try really hard. And I think something that we're hopefully able to to do to do well is because we definitely have. I mean, we have Trevor who's about to retire. And then we have Mike and I who are just kind of entering the, the job market. And I think I think it's there are a lot of timeless subjects, but I, I'm really happy to hear that that different different kind of generations and different age groups are able to pull value out of our podcast. So we're going to move over to our Facebook comments. So this is a message from Bob and Bob says, I can't thank you enough for all your knowledge. I found you in December and have been glued to your podcast ever since. I've adopted a minimalist lifestyle and being 58, I'm making some strides to semi-retire soon. Keep up the great work. I live in Avalon Lake, Ohio in, in the United States. So, I, you know, I had made that comment earlier about I pride myself on being a Canadian-based personal finance podcast, but a lot of things we do talk about are universal and they would apply to, you know, any Western culture I would, for the most part. And I'm glad to see Bob is getting value from this. Um, I, I, you know, funny, the, the previous comment was obviously some a younger person, millennial, and this is somebody on the edge of retirement, and they're both getting value out of our podcast. So, 
I think it, it, we're very diverse. You know, one thing they say in, in the uh, content creation world, they'll say podcasting or blogging, you're supposed to niche down uh, three times. And when I hear uh, such a broad cross section of people listening to it from different age groups. In different locations. I, 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 in different locations. You wonder if you've actually niched down enough, but our audience is, is, is growing at such a rate that obviously we, we're resonating with a lot of people. But I love that we're, we're, we're touching both ends of the spectrum. And, and that being said, we want to continue understanding what topics really resonate with you as well. I mean, if hopefully Bob and Justine are kind of driving as much value from the podcast, I mean, but, but let us know, but let us know what topics you want to hear about. And I also like his, his Bob's comment about minimalism because I, I love that he included that within his uh, within his message because as much as we are a personal finance podcast, we are about all the other kind of behavioral life lifestyle decisions that that really accumulate into making us, um, beneficial financial decisions. And you know, if that's a deliberate lifestyle lifestyle choice you make, it's certainly going to help guide you toward early retirement, financial independence, or anything. Oh, for sure. So, Bob, thank you so much for your message. Keep us posted on how your your strides to semi-retire retirement go um, and, and what kind of topics we can put out to assist you with that. So we're going to move over to um, some emails, uh, email, emails that we got from some listeners. So the first one here is from Lindsay, and she says, Hello, I want to say I really enjoy your show and the topics you cover. I find myself reading the subject and thinking this is going to be the sh- one show that disappoints. However, that is not never the case. I have found nuggets in every show on how to live simpler and save a few bucks. When I read today's subject line, I thought this might be the one that doesn't apply to me or would not be of interest. Again, you did not disappoint and I found the show interesting and applicable to me. Thanks for presenting real content and thoughtful perspective on your subject matter. So thank you so much, Lindsay. That's extremely kind. Yeah, we put a lot of energy into topic selection, and I know exactly what she's talking about. I listen to a lot of podcasts myself, and I'll look at the the title of the podcast, and I'll say, ah, you know what, I don't know if that really resonates with me, but I listen to it anyway, just like Lindsay, and I'm usually, you know, glad I did. So I also like how she, she mentions uh, how to live a simpler life, and, you know, one mentioned minimalism, simpler life. That is really the message we're trying to send, and I, I'm glad to see that that's what's resonating with people. I also really like her comment about I the, her comment. I found nuggets in every show on how to live simpler and save a few bucks. So it's funny because I used to say to Trevor after we finished recording, and now that Mike's on the show, I kind I still say the same thing. But when I'm when I'm sitting here, uh, just recording with Trevor and recording with Mike, I, just just listening to what they have to say while we're recording, they'll say something that will just kind of awestruck me hit me with so much like that that wow moment and it happens more often than not every show this one one little nugget that they'll say and so I'm happy to hear that it happens to other people because I mean even hearing Mike and Trevor talk it happens to me so Lindsay thank you so much for your email we'll move on to another email so our next one here is from Ron so Ron actually was joined us on the show for an episode yeah we had Ron on our roundtable discussion of frugal life hacks. And and Ron is, it it turns out, Ron's been sending us quite a few emails and he is the master of frugal life hacks, as it turns out. And uh, we do appreciate getting them from Ron. There's there's many here to mention. And I think Courtney had a good idea that what what we're going to do with our frugal life hacks, starting with Ron's and in the future. Yeah, so... 
uh, what I what I we want to start doing is it, when you send us your frugal life hack, we're gonna put it up on our social media. I'm, I'll make sure it's up there, and let us know if you want your name associated with it too. And uh, we'll we'll see how many life hacks we can get up on our social media. Because the thing with a frugal life hack is, it, it's meant to be shared so other people can utilize that li- that that frugal life hack. So it, you know, we don't want to keep them a secret. We want everyone to to be aware of them. So Ron's kind of first uh, first email here has a couple life hacks in it. So I'll just read it. Um, he says, another frugal life hack would be to avoid the standard vices. Smoking, drinking, gambling, chasing various pleasures are a sure way to financial ruin. This is not to say that you can't enjoy th- these pleasures, but everything in moderation is the way to go. I don't smoke, never have, never will, but I think sitting around a campfire and breathing in the smoke is probably not doing my lungs any favor. I used to make homemade wine and would enjoy a bottle on the weekend with supper. Everything in moderation. Drugs were a non-starter. Chasing women, while well, a faster way to get poor than any than getting divorced, has not been invented. It's easy to get rich, to stay rich, stay married. Only the lawyers get rich on that one. Gambling, lottery, are attacks on the stupid. It's funny. Everybody thinks that they will win the lottery and not get a serious illness as they age. When in reality, the opposite is much more likely. There is a reason why governments like to tax those vices so much. And with the income and cannabis law, you can be sure that every level of government will be reaching out for as much as they can grab. The only restriction on their take will be the underground market undercutting the price. I'm sure you guys can think of a few others. Thanks. So in there is actually two frugal life hacks. One is to stay away from vices. And the other one is to do things in moderation. So, and I think the do things in moderation is probably uh, an underrated frugal life hack for a lot of people. He also has the other one in there, which which I kind of think has to do with kind of making decisions, but it's kind of making conscious decisions or very thoughtful decisions about the people in your life. And in this case, he used who you get married to. But I, I definitely think being very mindful of of your relationships with others is very important as well. Because when we're talking about relationships with others, they can also in, in impact your decision making and, and lead you to engaging in these vices and gambling and, and doing things that will harm you. You know, just, just to st- further talk about that is if you've ever been you know spent a weekend with just say you're a frugal person and you've spent the weekend with just a a big spender you know you're with a group of people and one of them is just can't spend their money fast enough and and you're constantly being sort of um scrutinized that that you're you're cheaping out on stuff on this weekend i've been on these weekends and at the end of the weekend i'm exhausted you know being around a person who's just not not Forget not like-minded, but but just polar opposite of my way of thinking. So to Ron's point, you know, surrounding your people with like, surrounding yourself with like-minded people can can bring a lot of peace in your life. Well, I I can imagine it's because you're constantly not obsessing, but really thinking about every financial decision you make, and 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 then you kind of have to let go of some of that control at times to to keep up with the other person you're with. Well, your light, your values are being you know, compromised or, or, or being, you know, scrutinized by the people around you constantly. You know, if you're frugal and you're around a bunch of people that aren't, obviously you're not seeing the world the same way. And the longer you're exposed to that, the more exhausting it gets. Oh, for sure. So thank you so much for one for those frugal life hacks. And again, if anyone has any others, please send them to us. Uh, Ron did send us another email with a, a few more here. 
And so he says to another frugal life hack is to check the unit pricing on items in the grocery store. Again, something that is so ingrained that I don't consciously think about doing. I just do it automatically. It's a a balancing act between the best unit price and having so much that you end up throwing stuff out. That is a big no-no here. Do not, we do not waste food. So that is it for our uh, emails. We're going to head over to Instagram now where we have a a write-in from Thiv. Thiv did also write in before. Um, This time Thiv says, hey Trevor, big fan of the podcast and advice. Quick question. Not sure if you guys did a show on credit cards. Do you have any suggestions? I always keep a zero balance and have a credit card and have a great credit card score, credit score. Looking to get the best bang reward or return wise when spending if you have any recommended cash back or travel cards love any advice thanks so we did do a an episode way way back on on credit card hacking we could probably do another one soon too it's probably worth doing so i do use credit card rewards uh for my everyday purchases like uh, fuel for my car and groceries but the one thing i'd warn anybody with credit card hacking is is don't let it alter your purchasing decision. And an example of this is if you're thinking of buying something and you're kind of debating, you know, what are the best prices or whether you can afford it. And if you start factoring in the rewards into your purchasing decision, you have crossed the line. So the reward should be just that, just a bonus. It should never, it should never influence your purchasing decision. The rewards should be separate, just a, a, a complete separate transaction. These rewards come in after you bought something, but don't do never bring those rewards into analyzing a purchase. No, I, I completely agree with that. So thank you Thib, for your message on Instagram. Uh, this one was sent to Trevor's personal account. So Trevor underscore simple money solutions. Um, I also have one Courtney underscore simple money solutions. And we also have our general simple money solutions too. It's at simple money solutions. We'll put this all in the show notes too. So you can uh, reach out to us and follow us on those platforms as well. So our, our, we're going to move over to our contact form submissions. So if you want to send us something, um, so our email is livelifesimple365 at gmail.com. If you can't remember that, that's okay. You can head over to our website, which is livelifesimple.ca. There's a contact submission form button. You can just send us everything there and we'll, uh, we'll get it. So the first one is from Kristen and I'll read her comments. So she says, hi, I'm loving your podcast. I'm currently listening through all the old ones. I really enjoy the multi-generation perspective on these issues, but I was wondering if you could would truly debate the new versus used cars. Three-year-old's car with warranty certified pre-owned is not a used car. It's still in the brand new car pile. I think this one could use a good update where Trevor says to sell his cars around 10 years. They still have lots of cost-effective life left. That's about the point where I like to buy them. It's also a perfect starter car for someone young who's going to make those first driving mistakes. For example, I had a Subaru Outback 2001. At that time, it was 12 years old. I purchased for $5,000 cash. I only paid $75 a month for registration and insurance at the time. I put away $100 a month for possible maintenance. Now I do some of the oil maintenance myself, oil change, filter change, plugs, wires, headlights, tire rotation, fuse swaps, but it isn't hard. Lots of stuff you can learn off YouTube. Now it's so awesome. I learned from a manual. Also buy and use rims in winter tires off Kijiji so I can swap them myself. Anyways, 
This does make it cheaper and allows you to save maintenance cash for bigger things. I drove it for years. It was still running well, starting to rust a bit, but I planned on fixing it in the spring. When a young driver slammed into my parked car, pushing over a block, its back tire was almost touching the front tire on, on the driver's side. It had 315,000 kilometers on it. Since then, I have challenged friends who debate the new car issue that payment on, payment is your TFSA contribution or your RSP contribution or your house down payment. Or if you can pay cash for the new car, go for it. I don't argue that you have the right to choose. If that's where you get your gr- joy, great. Just don't finance it. So this is a, an incredibly well thought out comment and she is right. We need to do another episode on, on used cars. Uh, this is the second person sort of suggesting it. So we're definitely going to do it. You know, her comment that she is buying cars at 10 years old where I'm suggesting that, that maybe that's their the, the end, end of their useful life. So in the used car episode we did, um, I mentioned that, you know, my, my father, so the generation before me, he thought used cars were a complete waste of time. But uh, for him, used car cars were far more unreliable than than they are today. Or, and, and the problem is, for me, my, my perspective needs to be updated because they are becoming more and more reliable. So I have a car that I, I said I get rid of them around 10 years old. I have a car that's 14 years old and I have a car that's 12 years old. And, I, and I'm I'm thinking of parting with the 14-year-old car, though my wife thinks it's it's still fine. So whether I, I get one this year or in a couple of years, I'm not sure. But I, I think you need to look at it. If you only have one car and just say you have a young family that you're driving around, I think you, you need to make sure that car is somewhat reliable. And, and I'm saying after 10 years, maybe the reliability is, is, is getting better in cars. But I don't, if, if I have a young family and it's, it's say it's winter and I, and I only have one car, I don't know that I want to be driving a 14-year-old car. Um, it, 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 so it depends on your circumstances. No, and, and but, I want to kind of I want to kind of combat that with, so it take my situation. I live in a city with great bus and great busing system, but it would be beneficial to have a car at times. If I only drove the car around my city, if it broke down, I could simply, it, w- it wouldn't be that because I have no need to really travel away and, and, so I, I I totally can can see exactly where she's coming from. So so you you this is why we need to do one on used cars because you just gave a great perspective, right? That that I can't see. I have the blinders on. And especially and especially if I mean you're and I I do I love this comment so much because if if you don't have the if you need a car to get to your to your job if that's the only way you can have that job. And 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 get and buying a five thousand dollar car is is all that you can afford, but it will give you the the wheels to get to that job. Then it is completely worth it. So I I, I definitely think we need to do an updated episode. And, and I'm gonna say my, my 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 wife asks me this question all the time when I talk about you know our car's getting kind of old. She says, "What is the risk?" You know, and just ask yourself what you know. Did play out your worst possible scenario. You know, your worst car day going. You know, how does it unfold? Walk through that day. And is it that horrible? Is it is it really the train wreck you, you think it is in your mind? So so that that's one of my problems, one of my flaws is I, is I tend to look for the worst case scenario, which never seems to arrive. And I, I would say I, I love that she is some. You know, it appears she's against the idea of financing a car. I am too. I, I think there's no reason you can't pay cash for a car. Um, I I think we're absolutely going to do one on on used cars really soon because this is a 
a great like it's just got me thinking and <laughs> i know and, can, i can hear this the wheel spinning right from here yeah i i do want to comment I, I i have a couple more comments i want to make so the first one is that i really admire we are on this podcast we are about kind of being resourceful and i so i really like that she, um kristen has kind of uh, it, it learned how to do some of these uh these kind of basic maintenance i call it basic i mean i can't do these things myself but some some uh some kind of entry level kind of maintenance on her car which definitely saves money i mean things like like just changing the oil filter and that, that i think that's awesome and the other thing is i i, I 350,000 kilometers that's amazing no, but you know what? I think that's becoming more and more the norm. So I, I think that's becoming less and less amazing. So you're, so you're saying that you're kind of you're maybe living with mentality that your that your your parents kind of. Yes. Yeah. I think a car has has more life than I'm giving it credit for. And I, I just I just think we need to do an episode on used cars, to get the perspective of of you and Mike, uh, uh you know, seeing you don't own a car i do maybe we should get ron kennedy on for a used car episode because i know he's quite passionate about that topic as well and then we kind of get two kind of older perspectives perspectives and two younger at the same time yeah no definitely yeah but that might be valuable last thing i want to add on this is i it's almost trevor you always talk about the kind of the first new scratch on a new car and that is always a little bit kind of never feels good but in in this in this case having an old car because her car kind of got a little bit of little bit of a smush and and when someone hit her that it having this old car that that really didn't cost that much was almost kind of beneficial in the situation because five thousand dollars i mean cars appreciate so probably less than five thousand dollars was kind of caught in this accident you know the problem with cars is is I say houses and cars will destroy you financially. And the problem with the cars is you get to make that mistake over and over. A lot of times you, people only buy one, maybe two houses in their life. But they'll buy a car maybe every five years, every eight years, every 10 years. You get to repeat that mistake over and over and over. So getting the right mentality with cars is, I think, re- can really be a game changer. So the next contact form submission we have is from Meg. And uh, Meg's comment is the following. Love the podcast. I listen to it all the time and tell others about it every chance I get. I really am enjoying the balance of having someone like Trevor on with someone like Mike and Courtney. You are not only a conscientious group, but also a lot of fun. I love how respectful you all are to each other and with your ideas. I really enjoyed episode 75 with your guest, Ron. I really hear, I want to hear more from that guy. He's the dad everyone needs. I was especially happy to find your podcast because the entire point of reference idea that Trevor discusses has really helped me. I'm wondering if you could do a podcast on the following topic. So this is the podcast. This is her topic suggestion. So do you financially help your children more when they are starting out on their own or let them wait for their inheritance, which might come at a time when they really don't need the help? I'm doing a bit of both because I want to make sure I have money to retire on but I also feel like if I live to be 85 then my kids will be close to retirement themselves so I kind of would rather help them and their families to have a better start and quality of life out the gate I would love to hear their varied varied perceptions of Ron Trevor and then the younger youngerings of Courtney and Mike I'd also really love if you could do an episode on planning for retirement when you have a pension program and RSPs 
I've not maxed out all my RSP contributions and I'm not really sure if I want to. Instead, I have th- three properties that are part of my retirement plan. Out of necessity, I bought a house in low-income area in Calgary in, w- in which to live. As I made more of an income, I rented that house out and used the equity to buy a slightly better home in a slightly better area. The plan is to have both the upper and lower rented out, but we live in it, in it now. We also purchased a townhouse that, so that my son could rent off of us and keep it in the family. Why go rent and pay someone else's mortgage? Of course, we are only able to do this because my husband is a handy man of a kind, handy kind of man, knowing how to fix just about everything. So having rental income may be good, maybe a good way to also bring in some money in monthly. Also bring some money in monthly. I have a property management company to do the renting out and lease agreements and repairs, etc., are something we take care of ourselves. So I was meaning to ask Trevor about this. He is planning on retiring, but doesn't want the hassle of being a landlord. It sounds like his his company has people working for them that struggle to find adequate rental properties in a city slash town. I would get a tenant through the company that you work for or rent it to your company as employee housing. That way, your investment is still making you money in your retirement. You don't really have to be a landlord if you hire a property management company or person. Some realtors do this on the side for reliable monthly income, and it is usually 10 to 15% of the monthly rental income. Sorry to make such a long message. I should have broken it up and sent a few smaller ones after each episode, but it's not really like me to give feedback, period. Thanks for doing what you do. Absolutely love it. So first of all, Meg, thank you so much for your incredibly insightful comment it was it was not too long at all it was it was so passionate and filled with so much so much excitement and you could you could you could feel it you know funny she she pointed out i had the blinders on with this being a landlord and she pointed out the fact that i, I said that there's not nowhere to rent property in this town and new employees that come here uh to work at where at the company i work at they, they can't find a property to rent so they have to travel an hour to, to get to work so there's a need yeah, so the need is here, right? So it's funny that um, it took somebody to point that out to me. So that's something I might have to re- reevaluate. I'd also like to say, uh, if Ron Kennedy, if you're listening, um, which you probably I, is, I, I think there's a, a a topic idea that that we could, you know, ho- hopefully he would agree to come on and talk about this one, where the concept of of passing money from one generation to another, and, and when that should take place, or if that should take place at all, you know it. Is saving up a down payment for a house, uh, you know, a, a, a rite of passage and a sort of a badge of honor? Or, or is that something you should help your kids do? Because buying a house has never been more difficult that in the history of of our country than it is now. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not making that claim, but I'm just, it's a topic that could could be debated and, and have a lot of angles. Also, I do want to add in, if, if you have a, a, like an episode suggestion, send it our way, but... Don't be afraid to also pitch us an idea and, 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 and suggest it to be on the show with us. We we would love to have more kind of guest appearances. So you have an awesome show topic that you are passionate about too. Pitch it to us and, and we'd love to have you on. Well, and what we want to do is, so we had Ron on and I called it a round table where we, we, we have a, a topic and we just sort of go around and throw our, our, our so in that one we threw a, each of us threw a frugal life hack on the table and the rest of us sort of either agreed with it or disagreed with it and or, you know, gave our experience with it. So if we had another listener on, uh, it would be a roundtable type thing. So you wouldn't have to show up armed with a bunch of knowledge. You know, you, you would just come up with your, your little piece to contribute. So obviously that, that uh, roundtable with Ron 
Kennedy went over well. We we got a lot of good feedback. It was a very popular episode. It's been downloaded. It's one of our most popular down, downloaded shows. So um, I, I think we want to do more of that. So our next write-in is from, and I'm sorry if I say your name wrong, it is Rodolfo. Rodolfo? Hopefully I got that right. But he says, hi, Trevor and Courtney. I want to, I want to first congratulate you on your podcast. It is great to hear Canadian for Canadians perspective to so many interesting topics. This email comes after listening to your podcast episode, making a case for renting. Although I agree with so many of your points you've made regarding the benefits of renting, I want to add a bit of my personal experience that might give a different perspective. For a bit of contest, I live close to downtown Toronto and I love the city life. It was August 2008 and I was a happy renter of a one-bedroom apartment paying $800 a month for rent. Single and without any major commitments, an opportunity showed up to buy a condo. The stock market is crashing and I'm thinking of buying a condo. What a crazy idea, right? However, it was a very wise decision in the long run. Only took a year from the day of purchase for the condo's equity to increase to 100000 In addition, with interest rates going down, I was able to refinance my mortgage, decrease my monthly mortgage payment, and became debt-free. High cost debt it is. Two years after this, I was able to afford two of the best trips in my entire life. Arguably, this is no other investment. Arguably, there is no other investment that could have given me this level of ROI in such a short period of time. Without getting into many details about the math behind my experience and knowing that another another more disciplined person who could have continued renting and saving could have a similar experience than me, it is important to understand that the argument about rent or buy is not a one answer. For everyone, and the answer will change with time, depending on the economical circumstances of that particular time. For instance, right now, renting Toronto is not that much cheaper or easier than buying a property. It makes the rent versus buy case more complicated. Also, I think it's important to mention that buying a property does not need to be a lifetime commitment. A person can decide to sell their property at any point and start renting going forward if that is what suits them better at that point in time. It also comes down to individual choice and individual circumstance. Thank you. P.S. I sold my condo in 2016 and bought a ta- townhouse near downtown Toronto. And in one year, my property's equity has increased to 250000 But I still keep renting as an option for my future. Rifaldio. Rodolfo. Rodolfo is how you say it. So uh, I, I love that he, he made it well in real estate. And uh, so he's in one of Canada's most expensive cities. So the opportunity for making money in real estate is going to be increased uh, than, than say the rest of Canada. Uh, the timing, of course, he got in at the, at the bottom 2008, you know, we, we were in a bit of a recession. So if you time the market in any market, in any asset class, you're going to make money. If, if you, if your timing just happens to work out and it sounds like his did. So I, I, I'm glad it did for him. But if you keep, if you live in a house for, in, in if you stay in real estate for, you know, over, you buy a house and you stay in it for 30 years, the return on investment over that long period of time is not that great. You know, that you, you can do as good or better in other investment classes. And I'm not saying this is an investment podcast, but, you know, I, I've run the numbers on my own scenario and my parents and my grandparents. And, and I, I just think, you know, real estate, unless you, you timed the market or you got in, your timing was, was, excellent uh 
you get in and out at just the right time, you can you can make a bundle for sure. But you could also do that in the stock market. So, but uh, he's definitely he's he's not saying you know buying's the only solution. He's open to renting, um, and I, I agree with every, everything he said. So thank you for the comment. The next one is from Bob. And Bob says, uh, this is about po- this is about the same episode, Making a Case for Renting, episode 76. So Bob says, enjoyed listening to your podcast. Just a couple of points. Number one, I'm pretty sure that I heard that having a mortgage was like renting money, which I agree with. But I'm not sure if it was explicitly said that rent was the interest that you pay. I can remember back in university days when my economics professor said that if you want to compare renting versus buying, then let's first start by saying that the interest that you pay on your mortgage is the same as rent. You pay it but receive no ownership from it. In addition, as you indicated, you would want to include other expenses involved with owning a home that do not directly transfer ownership, such as property taxes, mortgage insurance, repairs, and maintenance. Number two, as a landlord, you would want to charge rent to at least cover all of your ownership expenses. So for a new landlord, having recently purchased the rental property, who is highly leveraged, the rent may be considerably higher than a landlord who owns a rental property free and clear. Number three, it's possible to consider your home an investment if you make plans to sell at some point in your retirement years and then renting from then on, thus using the proceeds of the sale as capital within your retirement funds. I know of a couple, a retired couple that used used to own a home and now live in an apartment in town. Though I don't know all of their specific circumstances, it could be possible for them to live off the proceeds of the sale to rent for the remainder of their years. These are just thoughts to consider and would be interested in your feedback. So one thing Bob says is he says, and I, I kind of disagree with this, he says, if you're a highly leveraged landlord, um, you would... Uh, your the rent you charge your your tenants would reflect the you know your increased cost of being a landlord and you would also include all the costs of ownership you would try to transfer as many of those into the rent to to your tenant and i'm going to say what will drive the rent you can charge your tenant is the market price for rent in your town not not your cost structure of you, of you owning this building so just because you're highly leveraged doesn't mean you can transfer all that leverage costs onto your tenant. So I, I would I would disagree with that. Um, the the idea of of selling your home and using the capital uh, as to put it into another asset class like an index fund and use the returns from that to subsidize your rent is I think that's a great idea, especially for people who no longer are physically able to to look after a house. So uh, I, I actually plan to do that in my older years, so I, I like that idea. But I, all in all, I do appreciate Bob's feedback and his experiences. So that brings us to the end of all of our comments and questions and listener write-ins. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I We kind of let them build up, you know, sort of we had a big queue going of, of listener feedback, and uh, we're, we're hoping to do shorter episodes more frequently as, as people write in. Yeah, this, uh, this one didn't really turn into a short one. Yeah, and the whole idea is these are great comments, and, and you know, I think there's, there's stuff here that our, our listeners can benefit from, you know, so it's almost listeners benefiting from listeners. So that, that's the whole idea of doing this. So uh, thank you so much for everyone who uh, listened to this episode. Hopefully you you got your question answered and you derived value. Make sure to send us your questions so that we can answer them up on upcoming bonus episodes just like this one. Let us know what you thought of this one. 
and uh, I'll start. Uh, I'll start posting on our Instagram too when we get when we get awesome uh, frugal, frugal life hacks as well, and updating you there. Thank you again for being with us. We'll see you with a, a brand new regular episode very soon. Until then, keep it simple. <laughs>